So yesterday, Ari, we, I, I had uh, a notary come over to our house. We were doing some uh, business transactions, and they, I needed a notary. And she came in. I noticed right away that she had no mask on. And I thought, okay, that's cool. But whatever, maybe that's because the uh, mandate is off and, uh, you know, she's on board with that. Uh, but I noticed the, she didn't even have it down. She didn't even ask me, you know, do, you, do I want, to, want her to wear a mask or otherwise? So that conversation didn't come up. And then somehow, you know, we did the transaction. I did my thumbprint and everything else. It's, it involves some real estate. And then uh, at some point, somehow it came up. We were talking about different issues. And she said, oh, you know, I'm a critical thinker. Uh, so I, I really kind of have to wonder about these things. I question my doctor about all sorts of things. Uh, critical thinker, she says. And I said... Not critical theorist, critical thinker. Right. Meaning that she, she, she analyzes uh, facts and puts them together and, and thinks critically. Well, but, but, but if X, then Y, right? Uh, that sort of thing. That, that's sort of the person that she is. How, how could you... For example, when Kamala Harris says that uh, rural, people in rural areas can't find a printer, you think to yourself... Uh, where did she get that? Where, where did that? Did someone tell her that? But that's critical thinking, right? You don't just accept it. So anyway, she said this to me, and this is what I said back to her. I said, wait, before you say anything further, let me guess something about you. She goes, what's that? And I said, this whole COVID stuff, you think it's nonsense? And she goes, yeah, I figured that out. Yeah. And I said, okay. And the election of 2020, you have a lot of questions about that. Is that right? She goes, yeah, I really do. And I said, okay, you believe in God? She goes, oh, yeah, I very strongly believe in God. Uh-huh. And I, I go down this other list of other things. Um, and the, we talked about the vaccines and everything else. And I said, and then I asked her, how did I know that? And she goes, I don't know. Well, and I said, when I tell you this, then you'll say, yes, that makes sense. I said, because the first thing you told me is that you're a critical thinker. If you're a critical thinker, you will come to those conclusions that I just mentioned. And she said, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And I said, do you consider yourself a conservative Republican or a liberal? She goes, no, no, I, I, I just was always open and I'm just seeing it clearly. And so I said, you're basically a conservative. I, she says, I, I guess so. I said, yeah, you are. And then we talked about Trump a little bit. And I said, you know, you, you think that Trump, maybe, maybe he tweeted a little too much, but that's not a big deal for you. What, what matters to you is what he did, right? And she said, yeah, come to think of it, that's, that's right. So on and on it went like this. It was really a pleasure talking to her. And we, we made a nice little friendship. Um, and this woman who, you know, she's just a notary. Uh, she's from the Philippines. But she's so bright. I was so impressed. She, this woman was more bright to me than half of the class uh, at Stanford that I graduated with. How about that? Okay. So merely getting into an Ivy League type school does not make you a wise person by any stretch. It's certainly not necessarily an intelligent person. Nor does it mean that you'll be a critical thinker, very importantly. This woman was a critical thinker. I, I was very impressed with her. Anyway, today I want to talk a little bit about uh, something that we've kind of touched upon in the past, but I really want to explore today, and that is about the power of our capacities as, humans, as human beings. What do I mean by that? In 
In school, in math, you learn about something called absolute numbers. And as a refresher course, if in case you don't remember, there's the number five and, the, and there's the number negative five, right? The number four, negative four. They both have the absolute value of four. It's just that they go in different directions, right? Did it make sense? Okay. So it's like, think of it like the power. And your dog, let's say, or most animals, mammals for that matter, have the capacity of going a one or a negative one. That's their capacity. I'm just going to use that roughly. If they can do one or negative one, then human beings can go as far as a thousand and a negative thousand. That's our capacity. And why do I bring this up? And I say, we can do incredible things in the positive direction, in terms of charity, in terms of, in terms of progress for society and such like that, in, in, in terms of doing mitzvot. We could also do horrifically terrible things, much worse than any dog can do. A dog cannot commit a genocide, for example, right? He cannot set something on fire and burn down a forest. Dog can crap in the wrong place. <laughs> That's about right. A uh, dog can do some mean things. He can bite people, right? He can bite a lot of things. He can get in. He just He could be naughty. But there's only so much evil he can do. And likewise, there's only so much good he can do. You know, he might be able to one day rescue a child uh, away from a fire. Right. And okay, very that's very rarely, rare. And very rarely will the dog's good or evil be intentional. A lot of the, most of the time when uh, a crap in the wrong place happens, it's for other things that are different than intent. Humans have this capacity to do good or terrible things with intention. That's a whole other ballgame. Right. So... And that's exactly what my point. And it's not enough. This is my big picture here. It's not enough that we want to do good things, right? We also have to fight the very bad things, right? So we have to understand the capacity that of, human, of humans altogether. So when, when your atheist friend tells you, I had a very good atheist friend who said, you know, I, I was talking about the enormous, incredible things that human beings have been able to accomplish with the building and the music and the art and, and so forth and, and democracy and law and order and all the wonderful things that we enjoy. And right away he jumped in and yes, they have great capacity to do horrific evil too. You can see him you know, sharply nodding his head as though somehow he just presented a killer argument you know, against God. And I, and I asked him, do you think that's a, like a real killer argument, right? And he goes, well, I think it's, it kind of undermines what you just said, Brooke. And I said, no, it doesn't. On the contrary, it, it, it's all about free will. The fact that I can do great things, like uh, invent uh, the light bulb or whatever, or harness uh, the atom, it also means I can do terrible things, right? It's a, it's a matter of choice. It's a matter of free will. We have the choice right now to do good or terrible things, and it's a magnificent proof of God's it's, it's proof of two things, proof that God exists as we imagine him and proof that it's the God of the Bible because the Bible spells that out clearly in the parables and stories presented to us as examples. That's right. I, That's I, where it really comes through. And you, I mean, I hope I'm not completely cutting off the, the wonderful flourish arguments you may have to make to get to this point, but it's amazing how your atheist friend was completely unable to see 
that if God mandated a perfectly ordered universe where every behavior is exactly in line with God's will each and every moment and freedom is non-existent, freedom of God's will is non-existent in God's living creations, well, then that would undermine, that may not undermine the God existence argument, but would completely destroy the guard of the Bible argument, which in many ways is the more powerful set of arguments that God exists in the first place anyway. Right. It's, it's about freedom at the end of the day. Free will and freedom altogether. Freedom and free will mean nothing if, if God just designs us only to do wonderful things. Yeah. Then there is no freedom, right? It, it means nothing. It's a little bit... If I automatically uh, gave flowers and jewelry to my wife, automatically, not because I wanted to, but because, you know, I'm compelled to do so at gunpoint or otherwise, well... Does that mean anything to my wife then? It, the reason why she would love it is because I've chosen to give her uh, flowers and, and jewelry. As Lily von Stoop of Blazing Saddle said when Sheriff Bart brought her flowers, how ordinary, it's because she was getting flowers and jewelry from everyone. Right. It, it means nothing if, if there's no volition to it, right? So that's, that's part... Part one of what we're d discussing today, the fact that you have to understand that with everything great comes the capacity to do something equally horrific, all right? And, and the tragedy, by the way, is that it's a lot easier to do horrific things than it is to do great things, right? As Dennis Prager succinctly puts it, uh, you can light uh, an entire forest on fire within seconds just by lighting a certain key points, you, you, or, or you can bomb a city uh, with, a push of a with a push of a button, but there's no equivalent good bomb, right? You can't just drop a bomb and goodness results from the dropping of that bomb. So it's a, it just, that's just case in point. You can create horrific evil. You can kill a bunch of people in a mass shooting or even just a, with a knife um, and, and lead to just horrific destruction in those people's lives and their families. Uh, whereas if you want to do the equivalent amount of good, you have to work really hard to make their lives that good. So the point is that we have capacity in going either direction. And that's why I use the concept of absolute numbers. Right. Well, the absolute numbers exist, like you said. The absolute proportions aren't. You can't push a button and launch a nuclear weapon that can kill with the effort of killing, you know, tens of millions of people in a flash. And you can't create them and create their city with a push of a button. That takes years and decades and hundreds of years in a culture uh, to do all those things. Right. This know? is what, what I say it's about civilization. Social. Civilization is like a forest. It takes centuries, if not millennia, sometimes to, to build up and only minutes to burn down. That's right. So that's it. That's the way it is. But again, that's a, maybe a different topic at some point. But absolute numbers are, are key here. And I, I bring up the concept of absolute numbers because it's more easy to visualize. We can go in either direction. Okay, It's our volition. So the incredible capacity of mankind to make beautiful plays like Shakespeare's plays, uh, Hamlet and Macbeth and so forth, they're so, uh, they're so powerful. They echo through history. Um, and to say nothing of the Mona Lisa, the, you know, the Eiffel Tower, the, the incredible inquisit, uh, you know, the, some of the churches that have been built, uh, the hospitals that uh, the Catholic Church has, has built, uh, the incredible things that Mormons and Jews and, and otherwise have built for civilization that have made civilization. 
Um, while at the same time, you look on the other end and you see the horrific stuff that Mao has, has done, 60 million people uh, within a span of uh, 50, uh, 15 or so years. Uh, Hitler, of course, in his well, uh, madness, and then and Stalin. Even and, and better, look at, look at what Black Lives Matter did with a single videotape of a felon overdosing last year, how much that's torn apart America in a matter of months. Yeah. I mean, yeah. holy shnikes. Yeah. So it is that kind of uh, evil that can be done. And that was just, that was a spark that generated it because it, it took people to decide to exploit that, right? So it's not as if the George Floyd video was intentional, that in and of itself was the evil, right? Yeah, it was the way- It's over and over again by the media and, you know. I, um, it's, it's very hard for, uh, I'm sorry, the, the concept is that they exploited it, the media exploited it, and with, with reckless abandon. Yeah. And, of course, Black Lives Matter is, is actually an evil enterprise. Uh, the corporation I'm talking about, the not, not, so-called not-for-profit corporation, uh, they are Marxist in origin, and they, they, they are anti-Semitic in nature, and they seek to divide the country and divide it between black and white, uh, among many other things, but then, of course, uh, class and otherwise. So they seek to sow division. They seek to, to blow up this country. Um, and they're doing so with great volition and evil. Okay? So if they took that same energy and somehow managed to harness it for great good, great things could happen. Now, that leads me to my next point, point number three. That how do we get to the right direction? How do we get people to make that great Hamlet play, the, the, the great uh, discovery in medicine, the great invention of air conditioning, for example, and otherwise. Can I suggest something? Yes. Can we force them to be Christians? <laughs> that would be nice. No, we cannot Is force that's them. That's how I would. Yeah. Uh, force, I mean uh, prayer in school, raise them as Christian, strongly encourage it. You know, uh, you know. Again, free free will is important in religion. It's not because we're not dealing with cults here. But strongly encourage church attendance. Say, hey, it's the right thing to do. Make it fun. Make it interesting. Make it substantial. You know, all that. That all works. That all helps. To make uh, to, to just complete this, of course, uh, you know, as long as we brought the Judeo Christian uh, mindset with uh, Jews being much more observant, of course, and uh, Christians also being this, I, I think that if if this country were as it were, let's say, 60 years ago, where Christianity was very well established. Uh, you could really seriously call this a Christian nation. And of course, other religions were there, including Judaism and even Islam, uh, Buddhism and so forth. But the, 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 the primary foundation of the country is Christian. God bless it. It would be so wonderful if we would all just adopt the Judeo-Christian mindset and uh, live by the Ten Commandments. But we are, we've abandoned it. And this answers the question, doesn't it? That if we were, not to force it, of course, but it simply bring back the notion that this country was founded upon Christian principles. And yeah, well, what, what, what about these Christian principles were really fantastic. Uh, they, were, uh, they were foundational and part and parcel of what makes America this great country that it is. That to take it away would, would undermine what America is. Now, you may not like what America is. You want it to be an atheist nation. That's a different story altogether. But what Ari is, is proposing and what I also agree with is that we, we keep the prayers in the school. We, we talk about the Ten Commandments. We, we talk about the Bible as a historical part of our, of our history, at least from the point of view of, of what was part of a, a very important part of our foundation. 
If we didn't have that, then it all does fall apart. Right. How, how much... How much damage has condoms and critical race theory done in schools? And how much good would prayer do in schools? And when I say force, I'm not talking about the force of the gun or a force of government mandate or penalty. I just mean people who are Christian should be encouraged to be Christian. People who are, who are Jewish should be encouraged to be substantially Jewish. Yeah, and, instead, what they do is they make it seem as if you should be apologetic for being Christian, especially Christian. Yeah, as if it's something to be ashamed of. Yeah, and you should uh, do everything you can to understand that uh, everything you should be ashamed of it, that's right, and that Christianity and slavery are somehow connected, right, even though it's wildly the opposite, but they want to make that connection. And if we are to really go in that positive direction, you simply have to teach it in the schools. You may not believe it yourself. You may say, say to yourself, oh, this, this God business is all garbage. There's no proof of God, evolution all the way, baby. Okay, fine, you can believe that. But in the same way that you tell your kids when, they're, when they are children, you give them a, a fighting chance, right? You, you don't tell them right away uh, that there's this thing called rape. And you really got to be careful. Uh, you don't tell them right away uh, that there is uh, these diseases and abnormalities upon birth um, and that there are, there are bad parents who beat their kids senselessly and such like that. There's a, a good chance that you might be kidnapped and sold into sexual slavery. Okay, you don't tell them these things when they're five years old. Yeah, well, I think there's an even simpler argument to be made, which is this. Just because someone isn't going to be a writer doesn't mean that language skills and learning English is important. Just because someone isn't going to be a biologist doesn't mean we don't teach everyone basic biology. Just because you're not a mathematician doesn't mean you don't learn to compute basic arithmetic. Right. You know, it's and then likewise, basic knowledge. Okay. You allow people All right, to so, have it. So likewise with history, right? Just because they're not going to be historians. You know, right. all, all those things all that you just talked things. about. So it's important to learn it as at the very least, is to learn it as literature. Okay, just the Bible as literature, if you want. And the, the Christian foundation, uh, the Judeo-Christian foundation of America as part of its history. Okay, so at the very least, understand that. And then understand, you know, in God we trust, understand that perhaps, just maybe, this is the reason why America is the light onto the nations. Maybe, just maybe, Okay, when, when Europeans laugh at us, what, what's the, that's, by the way, if you, if you go to Europe and we lived in Europe, that's the number one question that most Europeans, when they want to ask you about America, they'll say, what is it with you, with you uh, Americans and your God and your guns? That's the first thing they'll ask you. And then I respond, yes, you're right. God and guns are a very big issue in America. And have you ever thought that maybe that's the reason why America is America? And keep saving your ass, Europe. I think there's, I think there's two great responses. The first is when, it, specifically, the English do it. It's, uh, what's up with your God and gun? Uh, our, our God and gun is so we never have to give a flying, you know what, what England thinks of us again. And I would broaden that to the rest of Europe. And who saved Europe over and over okay, again? Okay, you know, that's, I mean, that's it, it's so, it's so obvious. Okay, that's that's not quite the point. I'm simply saying that these are the things that. We need to understand that maybe that's the reason why America is what it is today. Right, but I think hold the core issue that you're getting. Hold, hold on, hold on. Uh, all right, okay, all right, all right, all right. Hold on. Let me. I'm just. I'm moving on to another point. The point is, 
that we need to teach this. And we talked before in the beginning of this. Well, that's the this. point I was going to say about the European. Our, our, Maybe our, if the European student was our, taught that early, they wouldn't have that question. All right. I'm talking about critical thinking now. So we started off by talking about critical thinking in the very beginning of it, and there is no critical thinking, and I don't mean a little bit of critical thinking. I'm, I'm talking there's no critical thinking when it comes to asking the basic questions that most people should ask. Why are we where we are? How is it that we've accomplished what we have accomplished? These are basic questions that people just don't ask themselves on the street. You and I, for example, when we walk down the street, and many of our listeners, I, I, you, listeners, email me if you like and, and tell me if this resonates with you. Um, when you walk down the street, because I know most of you are, are conservative-minded, you love America, you have God in your lives, I, I get that. My guess is that you think like Ari and I do. When we go down the street, we think to ourselves little questions like, wow, I, I wonder why people drive on the right side of the road. Right? Or um, how is it that um, I'm passing by this person? I don't have to worry about him attacking me, or at least not, not in a very realistic way. Uh, had this been 500 years ago, I had to have to worry about this person jumping on me and grabbing whatever goodies I might have on my person, right? Uh, if I had a wife, I, I might be worried that she would be taken and raped, okay? I, how is it that we have this law and order? Where does this law and order come from? I, these are the questions I ask just on a normal day-to-day -day basis. I also ask, you know, how is it that we have, that time is so perfect, right? We can, we can know exactly when the sun is going to be where it is on this time of, this time of day, and it's 24-hour cycles. And how do we adjust for the, the small little nuances every four years, right? We call it leap year and so on. All the little details. There's so many kind of cute little things that we have little conversations with ourselves. But you know what? Most people, Ari, when they walk down the street, you know what goes on in their head? Not a damn thing. It goes like this. They have nothing going on in their heads. Okay? We, we assume that other people think like we do, because after all, all we know in our brains is, is what we, we, th we assume that they think like us, that they have the no. same sort of capacity to look at a situation and then say, okay, no, not quite, but what about this? What about, they, they don't do that. People don't think the same as you and me. And we're not even talking about IQ. I'm talking about the capacity to say, but what about, or you say this, but what about that? Right? But yesterday you said, and so on. Right? This, it's called critical thinking. Very few people engage in it. And that is what we started off this, this podcast with. And, and I, I think that relates to our whole point about absolute numbers, right? The, the, the notion of why is it that people have, are, are confused as to this issue about doing the good versus doing the evil thinking that somehow the capacity to do evil is uh, therefore evidence that there's no God, that God doesn't exist at all. And yet they don't even ask the first thing that I asked in this podcast, that our capacity to do evil and also our capacity to do good, which is so extensive, and like I said, a thousand versus a negative thousand, right? It's so much more so than what a dog can do in terms of good or what a dog can do in terms of bad. 
the same thing with a, a, a dolphin for that matter, a penguin or otherwise. You don't think of penguins doing anything good or doing anything bad. They just kind of are there. They might be a little bit naughty and push their friend into the icy water. Okay, when, when they doesn't expect it. It doesn't feel cold like you. So, <laughs> but, so what? Yeah, but the point is that there's just not that capacity. And, and so when they tell me, yeah, but human beings are so capable of doing such horrific evil and they think that's a zinger against God, I, on the contrary, say, no, no, no. It, you haven't even thought this in terms of capacity. Right, as you say, they haven't thought it through. Yeah. And then... And then um, I mean, you said the questions you asked yourself are about the basics of how things function. I asked myself the basics about how people can stand to see the basic functions being eroded so in such basic ways and not getting upset about it. Yeah. How can you just let some guy camp here? How can you obstruct a sidewalk with that? How can you spread filth? How can you care about the environment and be okay with piles of garbage there derived from a, a activity supposedly or ostensibly because of environmentalism, like collecting aluminum cans out of garbage cans yeah. and then dumping the rest of the garbage right there? Yeah. How does that not bother you? Yeah, of course, it, it, it doesn't bother them. They have all sorts of answers to that, but the answers are, are generally related only to other people and what you should do, but never related to what they should well, do, how they should respond. It's, it's through, sorry to interrupt you, but it's through that thing you hear on college campuses and now in, in life uh, through critical theory. It's through the lens. See, you have to understand the lens of oppressive hierarchy, the lens of heteronormative behavior, the lens of your own uh, uh, biases towards the clean and against the filthy. Uh, one other thing about this capacity to do evil is people's inability to understand what kind of people can do evil. This idea of, of blanket statements, for instance, all charity is good, unless it's Christian charity. So a Gates Foundation or a Soros Foundation is saintly and beautific in all of its pursuits. It, they're not capable of doing great evil because it's charity, mind you. Yeah. Planned Parenthood is a nonprofit. They don't profit, so there's no class struggle issues. So they can't do evil, can they? Okay, so you got a very good point. I like what you just said about the seeing things through that the left and, for that matter, the godless see things through a lens, not necessarily in terms of good or evil. Right, what does a lens do? A lens obstructs reality. Okay, so right. you, you gotta let me go through this, Ari. So the lens uh, is just a, a different way. Whenever they talk about through the lens, for example, uh, Black Lives Matter want us, wants us to look through the lens of critical race theory, right? Meaning that everything should be seen through the lens of oppression of blacks and through slavery, right? The, the advancement of slavery somehow. And as long as we do that, then we understand everything. <clears throat> when, and that, of course, takes away entirely from the true notion of absolute numbers and the true notion of the good and evil that we see through uh, and understand through the Bible. The Bible gives us what is good and what is evil uh, and helps us see clearly, not through any lens, but seeing clearly through the Ten Commandments of what should be done and what shouldn't be done. It is fascinating, by the way, yeah, that it, it is yeah. fascinating, by the way, how the Bible, they, they don't apply critical race theory, nor can they, uh, as against the Bible. They can't meaningfully do it through the Constitution either, but that's another story. Because, look, the Bible, they, they, there's only one distinction in the Bible that's made for humankind. Uh, it is man and woman. That's it. There's no other distinction. There's no distinction between um, 
uh, and related things like mother and father, of course. Uh, but in terms of other distinctions like your, your race, nope, no distinction. It doesn't want a distinction between rich and poor, for example, either. Right? doesn't say the rich are better than poor, or you should treat the poor differently than the rich, and so on, and yeah. so on. Yeah, right? That alone... It's only good and evil. Right? It's yeah. only good and evil. Man and woman, there's, there's, a, there's a reason why there is a distinction. And again, a critical theory about... Uh, sorry, a critical thinking about why there is a distinction between men and women. Could it be because women offer something that men can't and vice versa? Could it be? You know, they, they don't think those things through, but they're so desperate to, to make sure that there's no distinctions in even that department that they're willing to destroy everything that the Bible has offered. Right. Okay. And when you read the Ten Commandments, you should be able to derive from their implicit morality that thou shalt not commit arson during a race riot in which you burn down an innocent store. Although that line is not explicitly in the Ten Commandments, you should be able, through your own gifts of context, clues, analysis, be able to pick it up from some of the other ones, like thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, and thou shalt not murder, and thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. All four of which are violated when you see a race riot that results in arson of the innocent. Okay, so, you know, I, I think what you're lacking here, Ari, is, a, is some degree of passion about this. I, I invite you to be a little bit more, uh, you know, be more Ari, okay? Uh, but anyway, so... <laughs> my, oh, boy, that's nice when he... Ca- I, I think you're never more attractive than when you cackle and cough like that, Ari. It's really, uh, it's very pleasing. When I cackle like Dr. Evil and then have a uh, coughing fit. All right, so what I want to do is play a segment from our president, Asterix, Biden, who uh, is, it evidences exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, must so, you really? I mean, I, I, I will. guess you have to. Okay, so we'll have to. Hold on for a second. Let me play this clip for you. And then we'll study it. It's so hard and inconvenient that they hope people don't vote at all. That's what this is about. This year alone, 17 states have enacted, not just proposed, but enacted, 28 new laws to make it harder for Americans to vote. Notice, by the way, that he doesn't talk at all about the details of the, um, uh, the alleged harder-to-vote bills that they propose, right? There's no details about that. He's just telling you that it's harder to vote. Let me continue. Not to mention, and catch this, nearly 400 additional bills Republican members of the state legislatures are trying to pass. 400? You see, that's a lot, okay? What they contain is another thing altogether, but that's, that's not important right now. The 21st century Jim Crow assault is real. It's unrelenting. And we're going to challenge it vigorously. While... Okay, so you get the point here. Well, that this... part's true. The only <laughs> part he left out is that they're the ones doing it. Right. Okay, so, so Jim Crow laws, the 21st century Jim Crow assault on democracy. Right, so this is all blithely saying that this is not only an assault on voting rights, but it's, it's a Jim Crow similar thing. And in fact, it might even be worse. Okay, because somehow it's, uh, it's passing as legitimate uh, bills as opposed to the chicanery that was happening during the, during the Jim Crow days. Regardless, uh, he's telling you this. Uh, now, I bring this up because I want to show you how convoluted not only the president, 
is in terms of his uh, reasoning and otherwise and his distortion of facts and reality. But it's also a distortion of what we've been talking about, this, this notion of absolute numbers, right, where he thinks he's going one way and, of course, he's actually going the evil way. Okay, so this is, it shows you, again, capacity to do horrific things. And this is what this man is doing. Especially disguised as charity, because the entire speech is disguised as a charitable yes. exercise. Right, that's a very good point. So this is uh, his speech in Philadelphia, I think in early, uh, so middle, middle of July 2021, and he's uh, presenting it as though somehow he's saving democracy itself. Now, he may very well believe it himself. I don't think he is, uh, that he does, because this man has been uh, evil and corrupt from the get-go in, in his career. He's done nothing good. Zero good. Uh, the best thing that you can say is that he, he probably didn't even know uh, what the shenanigans were going on in the 2020 election. That's the best that he could possibly hide behind. And there's a very good chance he doesn't even know he's president right now. <laughs> right, That's very possible, but he certainly... Uh, has played the game. He's done a lot of uh, tremendously corrupt things, and and we have examples. I mean, Ukraine, right? Uh, he's he's the China thing, uh, of course, participating in Benghazi and a lot of other things uh, that were quite corrupt. And to now advance the trillion dollar spending and everything else. So, my my point of presenting this video is to show you not only that he's convoluted, but he doesn't understand the difference between. The power of people, the capacity of people to do good, the capacity of them to do bad. He doesn't know where he is on that spectrum. And because of that, when you, when you take... This, this speech reflects a man that, for whom God is just not relevant whatsoever. And that is sad. We've got to change all of that. Are we? Unless we have God back in our, in our school system, in our court system, even our sense of law enforcement, and even when we build buildings for that matter. And in our sciences. Yes, in the sciences and in respecting science. Uh, because Then we will never have the true uh, pointing of human greatness toward the good side of the mathematical spectrum. We just won't. It is interesting. This guy is ostensibly a Catholic. But there's... No Catholic charity in him. There's no Catholic honesty. There's absolutely no connection to the Ten Commandments or the Golden Rule or the love thy brother or the humble myself before God anywhere in anything he's ever done. There's nothing uh, Catholic about Joe Biden. Everything right. it, it, his, his stance on abortion alone uh, really eradicates any of his bona fides when it comes to uh, being Catholic. I, I, I know enough about Catholicism to know that that dog don't hunt to have that position. Look, I'll end it like this. Uh, this party, this Democrat party, has now become so corrupt uh, and, uh, frankly, evil that we can't take anything that they say seriously. There is far, they've lacked all credibility. Um, the moment that they decided that a man can be a woman, uh, to me, that is a truly evil enterprise. I, that's not just a social comment. It's not just a decision. Well, I, I, you know, whatever. You can believe that a man is a woman. That's fine. That's your business. No, it's very dangerous to believe that. It's very uh, dangerous to, to kowtow to the social pressure to, to do so. And a party and an ideology that says this is a party that's lost all credibility with me. More importantly, a party that can do this is a party that is saying to you that we can lie to you about anything. And this uh, Jim Crow business 
is exactly, uh, sorry, exactly, uh, a, a fantastic example, a horrific example of exactly what I'm talking about. Critical thinking, my friends, it's something that is sorely lacking. And were we to engage critical thinking, once again, we would be on the right track. We would be embracing God. Remember what I said in the very beginning. As soon as she said that she's a critical thinker, I said, you believe in God, don't you? And she said, of course, of course. This is what this podcast is all about. My friends, thanks for listening. Barack Lurie signing off, saying God bless, and we'll talk with you next week.